Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So obviously in seminary you take classes to study scripture, then I've been a priest nine years, so I've been going through the cycle quite a bit. So I've heard this story of Lazarus often. And the shortest sentence in all of scripture is in that passage. Simply, and Jesus wept. Three words. It's the shortest sentence in all of scripture. And I always just presumed as I read it, well, he, he cried because he loves Lazarus, his friend. So that's why he was crying. Oh, my friend died and I'm crying. And we all go, well, that makes sense. We cry when people we love die. It makes sense. However, that's not why Jesus cried. I didn't realize it until this week when I was reading it again. Jesus heard Lazarus had died. He heard he was in the tomb for four days. Still no tears. He's perturbed. He's bothered. He's drawing closer to the problem so that he can manifest his power. But he doesn't cry yet. He only cries when Martha's sister Mary... And a little group of the Jews come to him. And they are heartbroken and shutting down. Their hearts, because of the pain of death, started shutting down. And when Jesus saw the human heart shutting down due to pain, that's when he wept. We only cry over things we desire or love, things that really matter to us. And so if Jesus is crying, there's something he really cares about. And it's your heart. The place inside of you that is full of longing and dreams and hope, or the place inside of you that's been hurt enough where that hope has been diminished and you're just getting by. This past week, well, the past two weeks, uh, Gregory and Stephanie know, we've had about 14 funerals in nine days or something like that. Uh, Someone said it's a record at St. Basil's. So we're around a lot of death, and I see people deal with death in all different ways. But I was meeting with someone in my office, and her dad had died. And several months ago he had died, so here she is several months later, thinking she should at least have some semblance of life, and she doesn't. She's numb, she's bitter, and as she put it, I'm really sick of church people telling me he's in a better place. I said, yeah, because that's annoying. We church people, we try to do good, but really we're uncomfortable when other people are sad, so we just paste religious slogans on them, hoping that we feel better, not them. It's something we all do. She was sick of it. And she said for the first time in her life, she started thinking, if there is a God, there's no way he's good. And life isn't good. Life sucks. Sorry. And I said, well, you know, I think what you need is someone who's not trying to fix you. Someone who will just be with you. So I just took a sip of my coffee and stared at her. And she started crying. 
like the ugly crying that you really don't want other people to see you do, but happens. And it went on, and she talked a little bit and then cried more, and these deep places of grief and pain and anger at God and confusion and fear started pouring out, and I just sat there and listened, and once in a while would say something, nothing special, just, that sounds really hard. I know that hurts. I would hate to feel that. And at the end, there was a long pause. And this is what she said. She goes, I guess I just want a kind of life where there's no such thing as death. And I said, how do you feel about that statement? She says, it feels rather naive because everyone dies. And I said, but did it come from a place deep within you? She said, yeah. I said, because that's known as your heart, according to the Bible. That desire is the very place Jesus is meant to fulfill. God's plan is not external, it's deep inside us. And so when these beautiful desires are awakened, like, I want a life where there's no such thing as death, that's either naive, immature, or it's prophetic. And so in this gospel passage, when Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, what he's saying to these deep places in our hearts is, you're not crazy for wanting so much, for desiring such immensity, for a kind of life that you don't see anyone living. That's not crazy. That's profound. Your hearts are not dumb. A French philosopher said, heart has reasons, reason knows not. Meaning there's things in us that we want and we need and we hope for that we can't always make sense of in our intellect. Like, I want a life where there's no such thing as death. The reason Jesus wept was because he saw in these men and women hearts that were withering, hearts that were shutting down, Hearts that out of pain were believing lies about life. Like, well, you can't have a great life, so just make do. Or a famous phrase when anyone's hurting says, that's life. But there's things in us that push us for more. There's things in us that say, well, if that's life, I don't want that. I want a life that is big and beautiful and full of meaning, and never fades, and there is no such thing as death. That's really dumb, unless there's a Jesus Christ. If there's a Jesus Christ, that means that is holy, that desire. And this, I think, is what in the church we haven't made so clear for all of you, and that's our fault, the people who preach, which is this is that your desires matter to God. That Jesus doesn't come to first give you morals, he comes to first awaken in you and make rumble in you dreams and hopes and longings that used to give you pain, but actually can give you a life of hope and a channel and a way forward. In this same gospel, Jesus tells everyone, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Of what? Of what your heart is looking for. 
If you join me, if you participate and share in my life, you will never have everlasting death. But you can live in this world with the hope of everlasting life. And when biologically you fall asleep and die, you can awaken to the life that has no death, no end, only goodness, joy, friendship, adventure, and beauty. Christ is not against our deepest desires. He just understands them better than we do. And so, as we begin this last week of Lent, before we enter Holy Week, one of the things we can ask ourselves is, where has God been trying to reignite me? Where has he been trying to awaken me? Where has he been trying to tell my heart, Lazarus, come out? Where has he been trying to get me to get out of the tomb and be alive again? Another philosopher, Simone Weil, says two things get us in touch with the human heart. Beauty and anguish. So what beautiful thing is God using to awaken your life, to get you in touch with your heart? Maybe it's family, maybe it's friendship, maybe it's a quiet moment of prayer, maybe it's a favorite song from childhood. Or what anguish is he tenderly trying to speak into? Our God does not say toughen up. Our God does not say that's life. Our God looks at our hearts that are withering and in pain. And he simply out of great love weeps for you and for me. Amen.